Welcome, welcome to the elasticity portion of microeconomics. This is Dr. Terry Elin talk to you from home to wherever you are. Kick back, relax, and let me take you on an economic ride. So the big thing with elasticity, if you just look at the chapter, you may think this is a very math intense chapter, calculation intense. And that might turn some people off. So my goal with you guys in this podcast is to help you understand the purpose behind it, help you understand the use and the applications, and then hopefully the kind of computation, which is the same kind of formula that reapplies itself to the different kind of elasticities, becomes more intuitive, more straightforward. So let's dive into this concept of elasticity. So when we think about the word elasticity on its own, we're talking about the elastic factor of something. So if ever you get into the rock climbing world and you have to buy a rope to go climbing, well, you're going to see different elasticity ratings. And you'll see that a climbing rope versus another kind of rope will have more of an elastic rating because if you fall, we don't want it to stop too rapidly because it might snap the rope. You want it to stretch to a certain extent. So it's this whole kind of elasticity rating. If we think about it in ropes, well, we could have some that have like a lot more stretch, a lot more response from being pulled that changes its shape, it becomes longer. And there's some things that just don't respond that much. So if you had like uh, a metallic chain and you were to jump and hang from it uh, from a rock climbing wall well you wouldn't expect a lot of stretch to come out from that metallic change so one thing would respond quite heavily in terms of how it changes and the other not so much well why is this relevant when we think of economics well the big thing when we think about economics is you want to uh, make sure that uh, if ever you're a business owner and you change the price of your product and this could be for various reasons well you want to make sure that uh, you kind of know what to expect in terms of sales so maybe you have the situation that for some reason a new tax was imposed on the product that you're selling or the cost of productions have gone up because of a tax so let's say it's a uh, very transport intensive and all of a sudden uh, there's carbon taxes worldwide, making fuel more expensive, making shipping more expensive. Well, that cost production of that good that you're producing is going to go up. So sometimes you may want to try to transfer that cost onto the consumer. Well, that 10% increase of cost that you might transfer onto the consumer, what kind of impact do you think it's going to have? Well, this is what we want to establish with elasticity. If I just kind of say it's going to have a small or large impact well my definition of small and large is very subjective so we have to find a non-subjective way of quantifying this and this is where the elasticity concept comes in so in essence what you're looking at is how one thing changes with respect to another thing so that with that climbing example as well if i put a certain weight like the weight of a human and i drop them from a cliff down a certain distance before the the rope becomes like to its 
uh, normal length, well, I could kind of evaluate how much it stretches afterwards. Well, so you need two things here. You need to have kind of like an initial factor that changes and then the impact on something else. And obviously, if I talk about a change in price and the impact on quantity demanded, well, even if I'm talking about just one specific product, it's not true that a 1% price increase, uh, yeah, it's not true that a 1% price increase will have the same impact as a 10% price increase. So we have to quantify it and we have to use the same denominator to be able to say, well, this good here has a high elasticity rating and this good here has a low. We'll refer to high as elastic and we'll refer to low as inelastic. We'll get back to that. So how could we do this? Well, we have to kind of have the same baseline. So it's kind of that idea that we have to compare apples with apples and not apples with oranges. Because if I say, well, what's the impact on sales of a 10% price increase on phones versus the impact of sales on a 1% increase in the price in computers? Well, we're not comparing the same thing. So we want it to have it on a percentage increase of price. That is our baseline. That is what changes. And what impact it's going to have, the first of the elasticities looked at in this class, and this one I'll focus more time because then afterwards it's the same applications on the other ones, is price elasticity of demand. So we're looking at the impact of price, which is what we were saying in that kind of like message price elasticity of demand. Well, the impact of price on demand, and then here more specifically on quantity demanded. So what we want to have is the same denominator and then evaluate the impact on the numerator. So if I think about this here, well, if I have a 10% increase in the sales and the price of a product, well, what impact will it have on sales? Well, naturally, we know from the law of demand that we're going to have a drop in quantity demanded. But to what extent? Is it going to be a 2% drop in quantity demanded, a 10% drop in quantity demanded, or a 20% drop in quantity demanded? Well, essentially, if the drop in quantity demanded is greater in percentage terms than the increase in price, percentage increase in price, we will say that this good here is elastic. It has a high elasticity rating because it's responding more than the change in price. If it responds the same amount, we'll say that we have unit elasticity. And if it responds less, then the change in price will have an inelastic demand. So those are kind of like the, the ideas here that we have to get across. So those are the three big categories. But then if you have a good that you increase the price by 10% and you see sales drop by 12% or 60%, you could imagine that being a business owner, 12% and 60% drop in demand is a massive difference between the two. So this treat them both as equivalent because they're both elastic would be an understatement. It would be kind of like a simplification that doesn't respond to reality that well. So understanding the main categories makes sense, but you have to be able to calculate elasticity uh, to be able to evaluate the actual impact. So how do we calculate elasticity? So there's a few things here 
I'll kind of highlight the big things that create uh, issues with uh, people learning this concept. And hopefully, as you understand the big issues, you'll remember them, and then you won't make those mistakes. So the first issue here is that we have to make sure that we're putting one thing on the numerator and one thing on the denominator, and both will be a percentage change. As, and as I mentioned, the quantity will always be on top, and the price or whatever else that is mentioned in that sentence. So price last to see demand, price is the denominator, income last to see demand, income is the denominator, cross price last to see demand, well then you'll have the percentage change from price at the bottom and quantity on top for a different product. And price last to see a supply, well you'll still have price at the bottom, quantity on top. So remember for some reason, use any trick you want or just remember the logic. Uh, behind but quantity Q is on top in this whole story and the, and uh, the calculation and then afterwards once you remember that the logic behind it being that we're looking at what happens to a change in quantity so that has to be our denominator and if you think about it if we have like to, to calculate percentage change in quantity over percentage change in price well the number that you're gonna get is pretty much the number that you get for a 1% increase in price. So if you have one as a, the, the, the obtained number, well, that tells you that you have unit elasticity and it also tells you that for a 1% increase in price, you'll have a 1% drop in quantity. If you have 0.5, well, it tells you that for each percentage increase in price, you'll have a 0.5% decrease in quantity demanded and if you have one that is five well it tells you that for each percentage price increase of one percent you'll have five percent drop in sales so it's putting it on a baseline of a one percent price increase so that we're comparing a one percent price increase of computers to phones to coffee to whatever product you're interested in then the second thing that you have to remember in this calculation is the whole idea of um, how do you calculate the percentage change in price. And this is where it gets a little tricky. It's not very complicated, but it's just one small thing you have to remember. If in the past, if we're kind of trying to add information to prior knowledge, in the past I would have asked you, well, if you have a good that's selling for $100 and the following year it sells for $110, what is the price increase in percentage terms of that? Well, most people would say 10%. They would say it's increased by 10. My change in price been 10 on a baseline of 100. So it was 10% of the initial price. And to that, I would typically agree. But for the elasticity calculation here, we have to modify it to a certain extent. And the reason for that being that we wanna be able to evaluate different price levels and see what the elasticity, the responses between those different price levels. And saying that, what we are interested in is that kind of like elasticity rating, but we don't know what's the new or the old price. So in that example of 100 and then 110, over, uh, so 110 minus 100 over 100 gives me 10%. Well, 
Well, that would have been different if we would have started from a price of 110, gone down to a price of 100, because the change would still be different, uh, would still be the same in terms of price, would just be negative, but it would be the same amount. But now the denominator would no longer be on 100, but it would be on 110, so it would give me a di different percentage. So how do we get away from having different percentages if you go from this price to this price or the opposite direction? Well, the way you get away from it is by using the average price or average quantity, the average of whatever you're looking as the difference, like the, the change in something, to establish uh, the percentage change of that price or quantity or whatever you're interested in. So if we go back to that idea of a product going from 100 to 110, well, that change in price is still 10. However, the, the denominator that I use to calculate that percentage change in price is no longer the initial price, but it's actually the average of the two prices. So it would be $10 over 105, which would give me a slightly smaller percentage than 10%. But this way, if I start from 110 or I start from 100 and I calculate that percentage change in price, I get the exact same amount. And this is crucial here because sometimes in some of the examples, you will not be given the starting point. And when you think about it also, if you're releasing a product that's never been sold before and you do a market survey and you look at different prices, well, you're interested in knowing what's the elasticity between those prices. You're trying to see how people respond and there's a lot of things that attach to it. Well, in that case, you wanna make sure that uh, it doesn't really matter which direction you're going. Because you might evaluate, well, should I charge 500 or 600? Well, what's the kind of response between the two? Well, it's not based on if I'm starting at 600, I'm dropping the price, or if I'm increasing it, it's regardless. So it gives me this kind of like arc between the two. Enough about that calculation, which is something you have to know, but in this kind of audio-only podcast, I am focusing more on the intuition behind it all. So when you once you calculate that percentage price, increase in that percentage quantity demand change if it's a price increase would be a quantity demand drop you could establish whether people respond a lot to a change in price or not and that response will be based on a on a series of things and then you could qualify you could quantify or say that certain goods are more elastic certain goods are more inelastic and then for a certain good you might have different elasticities happening as well so let's just kind of break that down and see how that works. So if you think, take a second and just think about different goods out there and try to think about some of those goods and imagine that the price were to go up by 50%, a big enough change for you to kind of have a feel that probably people would change their consumption patterns. Well, think about different goods out there that increase by 50% in the market and try to think, well, which of these goods would have a big drop in sales? And which of these goods, this quantity of sales would change, but maybe not that much. And that change might depend on time horizon that we're dealing with. So just think about different goods that you typically consume. It could be like food, it could be gas, it could be sports equipment, uh, movie theater, whatever. 
and just try to think which of those would have a big impact on sales from a 50% increase in price. Well, if you think about it, things that have a lot of alternatives will have a big impact. So if you were to charge a lot more for Netflix and uh, all the other kind of streaming services do not change in price, well, all of a sudden you would see a lot of drop in sales for Netflix, but not so much uh, for the other brands because people would actually go to uh, the alternatives, whether it's Amazon, YouTube, whatever. Um, so that's what we would expect. If you think about uh, in a world where most cars are still gas powered, well, in that situation, if you increase the price of gasoline by 50%, a lot of people would be disappointed and a lot of people might decide to cancel like a massive road trip that they're planning because like it's going to be so much more expensive now that the price of gasoline has gone up by 50%. Or they might try to start carpooling more to go to work. But if you have a job in the short term and you have commitments, you're still going to go there. So your change will not be that big initially. And that's because you don't have many substitutes available. Over time, you might change things up. You might get a more fuel-efficient car or an electric car or you might start living closer to work or change something in your behavior to adjust for that price difference. But if you don't change it much initially, we would say that that good is inelastic. There's a 50% increase in the price and you might have only a 5% decrease in sales. So that's the kind of situation that might arise. And um, whereas for Netflix, a 50% increase in price might lead to more than 50% drop in sales. So again, it's always that relative change in price to change in sales. And if you calculate it out, well, you're getting the number that you get is a percentage change in quantity based on a percentage change of a 1% increase in price. So it's always bringing it back on a 1% percent increase of whatever is the, the denominator one percent increase in price one percent increase in income and so on so that's the situation that we're in so some goods may be more elastic some goods may be less elastic and then some goods it all depends if you're talking about one good on its own or all goods aggregated so if we think about the netflix example there's a big difference if only netflix has a 50% increase in price, or if the government introduces some form of taxation to these streaming services where all streaming services available go up by 50%, then it's no longer the possibility of you substituting away, you're going to face this higher price increase. Same thing goes if we think about a percentage increase on only beef or all meats or all foods there's a big difference as soon as you encompass more and more in that change well it means that you can't really substitute away we can't stop eating just because the price has gone up we could change what we eat we could eat less or if it's all junk food that's gone up in price we could eat less junk food we will adjust but uh, there's no alternatives so as soon as there's no alternatives people don't react as much 
But if there is alternatives, if you could eat less beef, but eat more chicken, eat more uh, pork, eat more tofu, well, then there is alternatives. So that's the thing to consider, uh, which will determine the elasticity of a product. But then if I think of one specific product, it's not true that I am, this product is elastic all the way through. And this product is not responsive all the way through. And how could we think about this? Well, the big idea here is think about anything that you consume. It could be um, food, it could be entertainment, it could be just about anything. Think about those things. So let's say going to the movie theater. Well, imagine that you typically pay a certain price. And now all of a sudden, for some reason, the business has dropped down its price by 50%. You'll probably consume more of that product. And it might be more than a 50% increase that you will have, like you used to go to the movies, like... 10 times a year and now you're going like 30 times a year because it's 50% cheaper. So you respond a lot. That's possible. But let's say the company lowers it by another 50%. Will you go again more than 50% more? And then it keeps dropping and dropping it. If you think about it, if the going to the movie theaters is a dollar or 50 cents, will it really make a difference in your consumption? Well, if it doesn't make that much of a difference, which it probably wouldn't because a dollar or 50 cents is pretty small in either case, it's almost free. Well, in that situation, if you're dropping down the price by 50%, roughly speaking, because we didn't calculate it with the, the average price, but roughly speaking, it's like half the price. Well, if you have that half the price happening and you have less than half the uh, less than 50% increase in output, well, you're no longer elastic. Okay, So typically, when you get to very low prices, if we compare percentage to percentage, goods become inelastic. So if you kind of visualize a demand curve and you just draw a normal kind of like normal looking demand curve and you look at the very bottom prices or the straight line demand curve in your notes, well, you'll notice at the very low prices, it will be inelastic because you're dropping price by 50% and having very small percentage increase. If you have a linear demand curve, that same $1 drop in price will have that same uh, uh, increase in quantity of output, but we're comparing in percentage terms. So going from 2 to $1 might still increase output from one unit such as from let's say eight to seven dollars however there's a big difference in percentage terms because i'm using kind of like the average price as the denominator when i'm two to one the average price would be 150 and eight to seven the average price would be 7.5 so that one over 7.5 or one over 1.5 is not the same the percentage increase is greater uh, for that same drop of one dollar when I get the smaller prices or percentage decrease in this case. So that's the situation that we have. At the very bottom, inelastic, and at the very top, elastic. Because you might have a situation where if you charge, I don't know, like $15 or $20 to go to see a movie, you might just increase it by $1 more and you're losing a lot of consumers. 
because at $19 or $20, people are like still okay. And then it's like above $20, you're just pushing your luck. So you might have a large decrease in uh, people going. And there's just very few people that go at that price anyways for a small percentage increase in price. So you have to try to figure out where you are in this whole spectrum. Because we'll see uh, in the the notes uh, that if you have um, no cost of production and you want to maximize your revenue, you're always best to charge the price which is at unit elasticity. The explanation why is if you think about a very low price, if you increase the price and you're in an inelastic portion, so you increase the price by 10, 20%, if the drop in consumption is less than that because it's inelastic, it means that your revenues are going to go up. So when you're in that inelastic portion, you have an advantage revenue-wise to increase your price to increasing total revenue. And if you're on the other end of the spectrum, you're at a really high price and you're in an elastic portion, well, then you're better off dropping the price a bit because if you drop the price by 5%, you're going to have more than 5% increase in sales and that's going to be better for you. It's hard to visualize just by talking about it. If you actually play with the numbers, you'll see that that will always be the case. So if you could provide a product that is costless to produce, try to sell it at the price that is going to lead to the highest revenue and that appropriate price is not too low not too high it's at unit elasticity if you were to create online content it's going to cost you money to produce and we'll talk more about this when we get to the further chapters looking at production costs but then the actual cost of distributing it uh, above from maybe a low commission fee that you'll have from hosting on on a certain website is pretty much costless. So in that case, when you try to maximize your revenue, you are maximizing your profits, you are maximizing your revenue because your variable cost, your extra cost producing is pretty much zero in that case. So we'll get back to that when we get to production costs and pricing in the future. So that kind of wraps up the whole idea of the general idea behind elasticity. Then you could kind of see it graphically. If the demand curve is steeper, it's inelastic and figure that out. If it's flatter, it's more elastic in the sense it has a higher percentage change in quantity for the same percentage change in price. And then if we think about the other kind of elasticities that are seen in this chapter, well, um, income elasticity of the man is going to tell us to what extent uh, the price and not the price but the income of someone or of the economy in general will have an impact on sales and what will measure how much people uh, are impacted by changes in their employment and the, how much money they have on how much they buy of certain products some products will be unrelated no matter if you only earn 10,000 a year or a million a year you might consume the same amount of toilet paper. But some products have a big impact, uh, like fancy bottles of whatever you might enjoy drinking. So we have to keep that in mind. And why is this important? Well, if ever you work in finance, or even if you're just having fun in the future, managing a a portfolio of stocks uh, for your retirement or for future purchases, 
Well, if you foresee a recession coming up or you foresee a boom coming up, well, a recession is just a lot of people's incomes going down because they were facing an economic downturn. And in those situations, it is false to think, well, I might rather just take all my stocks out and keep all my money as cash. And that's the best situation that I can uh, do with this situation. In reality, if you see a recession coming up, there is a lot of opportunities for profit. And those opportunities for profit arise in industries that strive in recessions. There are certain companies that do very well in recessions. As people earn less and less money, while some of the goods that they used to buy, which were seen as like normal goods, goods that you enjoy to consume, uh, maybe going to the restaurant and other things like that, uh, may be too costly for you all of a sudden. So you might eat more from home, but you don't want to have to deal with cooking. So you might eat more like pre-made dinners or Campbell's soup and other things like that. So certain companies actually do really well in this situation. There's a lot of other examples as well that we could think of in recessions of how some economies, uh, some businesses actually prosper in those situations. So keep that in mind. And then afterwards, cross-price elasticity of demand is really trying to evaluate whether two goods are unrelated, whether they're substitutes or complements, and to what extent. And this is very important to think about in terms of if you are a company who sells various products, you want to know if you increase the price of one product, what impact it's going to have on its own sales through the price elasticity of demand, but also on the sales of other products. So the classic example I give is on tea and coffee drinking, whether you think these goods are substitutes and complements. And naturally, a lot of people would think that these two goods are substitutes. Because when I think of a classic compliment, it's like a hot dog and a hot dog bun. Like you eat them together. Um, so it's, it's hard to visualize them as compliments because it's very rare that you'll go to the coffee shop and you'll see someone order a cup of coffee and a cup of tea and just kind of drink them both or mix them or do something else with it. It's not something that you would see. So how could they be treated as compliments and not substitutes? Well, in this world, I believe that you have the coffee drinkers and you have the non-coffee drinkers. So at some point, you might not like coffee now, but at some point you might start enjoying it. I remember when I was a bishop student, I didn't like coffee at all. But sometimes I would go to a coffee shop with a friend to work on a term project with them. And the reason I'd go to the coffee shop with them is they were coffee drinkers. So when I would go there, I would choose anything else off the menu to accompany them and not to be a non-paying client. And in reality, if ever the price of coffee were to increase substantially and my friend would say, I'm no longer interested in going there, it's just too expensive to buy coffee, well, I'm not gonna be the one pushing to go to that store because I don't like coffee either, so I could easily work somewhere else. So if they increase the price of coffee, they might lose that coffee sale but it's not true the thing that that coffee drinker might just start drinking tea. It might be that this person leaves and if this person no longer consumes, this friend, which is kind of like the compliment purchaser, 
is no longer there as well and you could have a drop in sales of coffee and tea at the same time if you see that happening you might think as a business owner you might not understand what's going on and it's the same kind of idea with anything else like you go to a ski resort and there's different services offered there there's like the lift tickets there's rentals there's ski school and then there's everything that relates to food and accommodation well, you could easily think as a business owner that I'm just going to increase the price of one of those products and then it's only going to have an influence there. But it's false. As you increase the price for a certain product, you might lose out in everything else. All of a sudden, if you increase the price of lift tickets, you'll have a bunch of people that no longer come to see you. If they no longer come to see you, you lose their rentals, you'll lose their uh, ski school and everything else. But it could also be flipped. You could think, well, if I increase the price of ski school, it's only going to have an impact on ski school. Well, maybe that person was also renting and buying tickets. So it kind of works in that direction as well. So it's just something very important to keep in mind. And last but not least, price elasticity of supply. Here, the whole idea is how the supply, how suppliers react to changes in price. And later on, when we look at taxation, we'll see how the response of the supplier versus the response of the demand or the consumer will determine who bears the burden of taxation. But here, essentially, you want to ask yourself, well, is the supplier versatile? Can it change its production patterns easily? If it's a supplier that has a lot of substitutes, like it could be producing tables or it could be producing something else so if there's a drop in demand for tables it could easily produce something else with the same materials well then it's not going to be it's going to have many substitutes and as with demand when there is many substitutes a change in price will lead to a big change in quantity but if there isn't many substitutes let's say you have an apple orchard and for some reason the price of apples goes down well you can't just say I am going to be growing peaches. You can't just switch all your apples to peach. So there's certain cases where you have access to switching things around and producing something else. If there's a drop in demand for whatever you're producing, which leads to drop in price. But some instances, uh, you don't have other options. So it's just something to keep in mind. So if we recap on this whole chapter, it's really looking at how things respond to something else and to quantifying that change because it's not enough if you're dealing with a lot and a lot of money to just say we're uh, what happens uh, your boss asks you what happens if we change the price of this oh it's going to have a small impact well that small impact will it be like millions of dollars or will it be like fifty thousand? so you you have to be able to quantify it so how do you determine this? Well, with all of the data that we found through uh, the table to construct the demand curve, you would have all the, the, da the data required to calculate price elasticity demand. And you could try to compute the same kind of data for all of these other elasticities. And it's something that you have to keep in mind uh, as you're changing your patterns. And last but not least, um, on a side, um, in my life, I, I like to heli-ski and, and, and naturally I don't make enough money to pay myself to go heli-skiing because it's just too damn expensive, even though it's super fun. Uh, so I became a heli-ski guide over the years and at the most interesting time I heard someone 
mention the word elasticity was at a after a guides meeting when I was working at Mike Wrigley heli skiing and one of the guides says like uh, we priced ourselves out of the market and we know like people uh, haven't responded to a price increase and it's made led to a large drop in demand and he was talking about elasticity he's he had seen that concept and it all made sense and it was all true but it was a concept that the owner didn't naturally see like some businesses just kind of increase price year after year after year see the price of uh, heli fuel go up and just say well we'll have to increase the price and price of other things going up we'll just have to increase the price well sometimes increasing the price to follow the increase in your production costs is fine as people expect it and consumption won't really change but some other cases they they might actually look for alternatives and in those cases sometimes you're better off having a slightly smaller profit margin in terms of like how much you make profit per person, but having a lot more people coming than to pricing too high and losing too many consumers and then making your business really hard to manage because you have a lot of uh, overhead costs and not be able to cover them. Anyways, a lot of room for reflection in your life in terms of elasticity. I'll, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any questions with regards to elasticity, uh, make sure you look at all the graphs first and you practice the calculations, anything that's math related in any class. The only way that you'll understand it and you'll be successful on an exam is to actually do it. Actually, just get your hands dirty and just try it a few times. You'll look at it through and you'll say, this is easy, uh, I could do this. And then you'll go to an exam and you'll make a s small um mistake that's going to be costly for you so i'd say like take that straight line demand curve in the notes look at the different prices and different quantities and just calculate it the following slide you have all the answers just practice you don't have to do them all but do a few and that applies to everything else in this class as soon as there's some math related to it like calculating uh, different types of uh, comparative advantage and everything else you want to make sure that you practice it because otherwise uh, you'll understand the concept, but you'll make easy mistakes, which will cost you a lot. On that note, I wish you guys all the best and I'll catch you guys in the next segment.